Hey folks, Tom and Keith thanking you for tuning in each and every week to listen to Front Row Knowles via the podcast. And a special thank you to the folks at the Dunlap Champions Club for their continued support of this podcast. A great place to watch Florida State ball game. A great place to have a good time. Remember, you can access the club on Friday night. You can go there on Saturday. You can repeat it on Sunday, an entire weekend of events. Whether it's for personal fandom or if you want to entertain clients, employees, social groups, uh, there's different packages available. You can get a single game uh, ticket experience as well and just sample it uh, at one game this year. Some new features, too, uh, from year one. They've got misters and fans in there, and they also are really emphasizing uh, flavorful food, but with a local connection, local tie, expanded food opportunities. John Rivers of Four Rivers will be there, and they're preparing. Uh, also, you can get Bradley Sausage, for those of you that remember that. How, how do I get more information? They can get more information by calling uh, 850-644-1830, option one, or you can visit fsuclubseats.com. Thanks again to them, and enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. A pleasant good evening, everybody. Tom Block and Keith Jones with you. KJ, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm nice and toasty and warm. You are, are, are warming up. You've been a little cold. I have been in the frozen tundra of Shreveport, Louisiana, on the sidelines here at uh, the Walk-On's Independence Bowl. Now I am in the warm and toasty uh, radio booth as uh, we say good evening, and uh, we'll dissect over the next 60 minutes or so uh, the proceedings here today. Uh, it probably won't take 60 minutes, Keith, because uh, that was just pretty much a whipping from start to finish is what uh, that was. I think there was a woodshed involved, and Florida State was on the giving end, not the receiving end. We've, uh, we know what the other end of, uh, of that spectrum looks like. 42-13. to 13. Now, it's a win over Southern Miss. It's the Walk-On's Independence Bowl. I get all that, but, uh, you know, when you consider – the clutter that's been involved with this program over the last month or so, to use a term from the previous regime, uh, this team could have done, you know, one of two things. They could have just packed it in, and they didn't. They got bowl eligible. I know it was against teams they should have beaten. They should have beat Southern Miss today, and they did. But it could have looked a lot different than how it played out had their, their as you like to say, from the shoulders up, had it not been uh, adjusted correctly. Well, and think about this, too. You're playing without your th- basically your three top defenders, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, you've got a, a, a wide receiver in Ermon Lane that wasn't here. Nyquan Murray was here but did not play, did not dress. So you're you're without some frontline people that you were counting on. So how how are those uh, second teamers and those backups going to respond? And and I thought all during the broadcast, Gene and, and Barnun were very uh, specific in t- thinking and t- and talking about the fact that in one sense, Tommy, this was an audition for all of these players in front of Coach Taggart as he continues to make his evaluation decisions and, and uh, relative to personnel, and, of course, later on, uh, and, and we'll be ho- hopefully hearing some announcements here in the coming days or, or week or so on coaches. But uh, this was kind of an audition uh, for much of these younger players, and I thought to a person with with very little, if any, exception, everybody performed very well. Uh, I, I mean, I think this was a great team effort and a great team win. Yeah, no, I really think it was, and it could have been much more lopsided than it was. I mean, Gavin dropped a sure touchdown early on. They had to settle for a field goal. In the fourth quarter, uh, you know, clearly in an effort to show class and not run up the score, it was just run left, run right, nothing fancy. Uh, it, they, they came very close to setting a school record for points scored in, in FSU postseason history. The record at 46 against Virginia Tech in the 99 Sugar Bowl, they got to 42. Could have very easily surpassed that. All things considered, a lot to, a lot to be pleased with, given where they were, say, a month ago, not given necessarily where FSU was at the start of the season. Well, I, at one point we talked about being uh, sitting at 3-6. and six. Uh, There was another point, point in the season where I think we were 2-5, and five, 
if I remember correctly, at least two and four. There, there was an opportunity during the middle part of the year for this thing to completely unravel. And then, candidly, with Jimbo leaving, I think we all would have been okay at understanding that everything unraveled afterwards. Uh, I think we all have been kind of holding our breath to see how Odell and the coaching staff would hold this together, how the kids would respond the from the neck up attitude. And uh, I'm sure if we dissected it and uh, Odell sat with us and was, was uh, brutally honest, there was a, a time or two when a coach did or didn't do something he or she uh, he was supposed to. There was a time or two when a player uh, got somewhat out of line and had to be brought back in. But I didn't see anything from the macro sense to make me believe that there was nothing but complete buy-in for the kids that were here. Uh, arguably in, in a conversation we can have about whether you know you owe this university this this team and your your fellow players um, your presence in a bowl game that is quote unquote of uh, insignificance but at the same time for those that were here it appeared that the effort was given and the results certainly speak for themselves no they certainly do 42 13 the final so Florida State obviously had already extended the bowl streak to 36 they've now extended the winning streak or the winning season streak to 41 uh, you know that's small consolation for where you were when you were preseason number three but again for the reason we stated you'll take it and you'll turn the page and uh, you know the locker room uh, was one of celebration as it should be it wasn't a national title that they won they weren't celebrating like that they were happy with that trophy though they were happy with the trophy uh, they were kidding Alec Eberly about how he's doing some forearm curls there as he carried that thing around but uh, Odell spoke to the team, and then after that, uh, this is in the locker room post game. Uh, Willie Taggart spoke to the team too. So you transition from the interim coach to the new coach, and uh, among other things, uh, what Coach Taggart said at one point was, uh, "Guys, no disrespect to Shreveport, they did a great job, but we ain't coming back here." And that drew a, a hearty round of applause from the folks in the locker room. And that message, again, was not disrespect to the folks that host this bowl, which did a good job. The message was that the standard for Florida State is not to come to the Independence Bowl. It's to be playing in the in the, the playoff bowls of the, the New Year's Six. Well, and, and the podium remarks uh, when Coach Hagens, when Odell was addressing the team and he was addressing the people of Shreveport, uh, the, the the bowl committee, you know, the, the two things that he said was, number one, and, and we've experienced this, having been here now for 24 hours, we, we got in late uh, yesterday afternoon and evening, as did you and your family. Uh, the people here are phenomenal. And when you start thinking, number two, about the, the history of this bowl, this is the 11th oldest bowl in the country. In fact, this stadium was built that we're looking at. We're still in the booth here at the Independence Bowl. Uh, this stadium is Independence Stadium. It was built. And, and the inaugural game was in 17, uh, 1976 to commemorate the, the bicentennial of the United States. It's the 11th longest-running bowl. And when you go back and look at all the people who have played in it, everybody has played in this bowl. At some point or another over the last uh, 45, 50 years, you know, th- these, are, this is, these are teams uh, like, like the Alabamas, like the Miamis, uh, like the Georgias, that have had a down year and have come to Shreveport and in many respects uh, resurrected their program from whatever the down valley was. And with a year or two, you can go back and and landmark a couple of these squads that played here a year or two later were playing for a national championship. So while it is a lower-tiered bowl, and I understand Coach Taggart's comment, and they're appropriate, uh, there is some satisfaction to be taken from having been here and, and won and performed well because uh, history will tell you that it has led to bigger things later on down the road. 
Uh, no question about that. And uh, I can also tell you that uh, I think it's January 6th, if that's the first Saturday in uh, in January, uh, 5 o'clock, that's when the team, that's when the new era officially starts because that message was delivered. So the players are, uh, they'll, they'll head home tonight. The team is heading home. They're en route to the airport right now. Uh, and, and you and I are traveling separately, obviously, from the team. But uh, they'll get back. They'll have some time to go home, see their families, whatnot. But uh, in terms of their football future at FSU, uh, they've got from now until January 6th to get their minds right and then come back. Uh, and again, as, uh, as Coach Taggart said, uh, or you'll see a different side of me than what you've seen so far if you're not ready and present and accounted for at you that know, point. One, one of the things we always talk about, those of us that had the privilege of playing for Coach Bowden, is the vast, vast majority of people uh, have this image of Coach Bowden uh, as this grandfatherly, wise, uh, very um, uh, not not that he wasn't emotional, but he always had his emotions in check, uh, always in control. Well, any of us that played for him uh, understand the competitive nature of Coach Bowden, and and not to be uh, derogatory in any way, have seen that competitive side of him come out when he has uh, said and done things that would not be in keeping with that uh, genteel southern grandfatherly uh, image that most would have and I suspect uh, all successful coaches have that side and uh, the 41 year old uh, Willie Taggart comes across as being very well spoken and mild mannered and got those big old glasses uh, but I suspect he can get on point in a hurry if and when he needs to. Yes, and uh, again, we haven't seen that yet. At least I haven't. But uh, it, I hope I don't. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't want to be on the wrong end of that. So uh, we are, uh, as we've mentioned, in Shreveport. And over the next, uh, well, leading up until the top of the hour, we will uh, hear from uh, Auden Tate, who frankly has a decision to make. And uh, I, I and asked his decision, him that question. His decision got more complicated today. You, you'll hear that answer from him coming up. But yeah, he he had three. You know, and you think about it, he finished the year with 10 touchdown catches, and he was hurt for a decent chunk of the year Half of it, between probably. his shoulder. Yeah. Uh, so let's think about that. Now that I remember, it was the NC State game. He comes in and ha- goes off, Blackman to Auden Tate. All of a sudden, we see that connection, and late in that game or second half, whatever, Tate hurts his shoulder, and boom, he's gone a couple weeks. Then he had a nagging ankle or something later on. So bottom line, he wasn't 100% this year and put together a pretty nice season. And he's one of the ones that decided to play in the bowl game while still reserving the right to make a decision to come out early. And I tell you, Tommy, uh, hopefully he'll he'll visit with his family and he'll get uh, some input from the NFL in terms of where they would slot him. Uh, but i got to tell you, if I'm an advisor to Alden Tate, he certainly did nothing today to hamper or hurt his uh, worth at the next level, and I will not be surprised if we unfortunately don't see him again next year. Hopefully we do, because you saw what 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 powerful impact he could have if he played another year and was healthy. Uh, but by the same token, we also saw how well he could play, and that can translate to the next level. Yeah, and in terms of other guys that still have decisions to make, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to Tavares McFadden. I can tell you that I witnessed uh, about a three-minute conversation that appeared to be a recruiting conversation from Willie Taggart to Tavares McFadden. So we'll see what news comes there. Obviously, already Josh Sweat and Derwin James have moved on. Um, but but it'll be interesting to see who comes back. Jock has Patrick, I suppose, has a decision to make, too, uh, whether Patrick goes or not, and not to diminish uh, his value this year because I thought his toughness and consistency uh, was about as good an effort as we had across the, te- the board for this Florida State team this year. But the cupboard is certainly not bare there should that decision be made, uh, as evidenced by one Cam Akers uh, setting the freshman rushing record. in front. I was getting stopped by several photographers on the sideline, local here, who covered Cam's high school career. 
Uh, and they were, you know, is is, uh, is Patrick coming? Is he a senior? Is he going to be gone? Because you really don't need him with three out. Uh, those kind of questions. Because they watched what three did in high school. Well, and, and this is the, the home area for three. And uh, you saw some uh, exchanges with some of the Southern Miss players that have backgrounds with Cam as well. There was a little bit of chippiness uh, going on, uh, at least in the early part of the ball game, before the, the score got a little bit out of hand. And uh, there was some, um, uh, let's just say, some egos being demonstrated uh, in the ball game, both to and against uh, uh, Cam uh, in his efforts, because uh, a lot of those uh, Southern Miss kids that are from Mississippi would obviously be very familiar with him. Yeah, no question. So uh, a lot of positives to take away on what was, uh, you know, a 7-6 and six season at the end of the day. But uh, we will continue to break down. So we'll hear from Auden Tate in a little bit. Uh, and, again, I'll ask him that question about uh, his future. We'll also hear from Derek Noddy. We know that he's moving on. But Derek is, is a very cerebral guy. Uh, and, and I asked him, among other things, what advice he would give to the guys coming back on this Florida State team. Plus, we'll continue to, uh, to break down the game. I'll also point out, Keith, that our good friends at Madison Social are the uh, official away game-watching site for Florida State basketball games. And as I sit here, it occurs to me that you're going from uh, the frozen tundra of Shreveport to Durham, North Carolina, and Cameron Indoor, where you and Gene will be courtside for the ACC opener later uh, this week. And uh, for those of you that are not diehard basketball fans and not traveling to Durham, which is probably a lot of you, <laughs> and I understand tickets are not exactly readily available either, go to Madison Social. There, there we will be, and there you need to be, and uh, they'll they'll uh, they'll turn the TVs up. I, I haven't confirmed with them. We we need to talk with them. I don't know if they'll turn the volume down on the TV side, Tommy, and turn up the radio side. But you could just bring your 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 phone with you, and you can listen to us uh, with your earbuds and watch the TV and tune that out if you want to. Uh, and if you're this tired is of- about Madison Social, not about you. Oh, sorry. With that said, we'll step aside and come back here to Shreveport on this special edition of Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, this Seminole football team... uh, learning to fly over the last month or so of the season. But, uh, you know, it's always there's always optimism when you win your bowl game and you finish on a strong note. You think about last year, a 10-3 and season where Florida State won, what, the last six or seven games of the year, including a bowl game. This this year, not quite the same, obviously, as you go 7-6. and six, But you still feel better about 7-6 and six than you do 6-7, and seven, certainly. Well, you, there's two things we always talk about as former players. Number one, you remember the last game you played in as you go into the next season. And that's why, as silly as it sounds, a bowl like the Independence Bowl or other is extremely important because you want to go in. I mean, the last game you play is a loss is going to impact you for the next three, four, five, six months uh, versus the last game that you played as a win. And then, obviously, the, the last one is the last game you play in your career uh, always sits with you. So, yeah, these are important even if uh, fans don't appreciate their importance. There's still significance to the, to the program. You know, I guess it's human nature that we talk about what uh, you what might have been or what you might have had instead of what you still do have. So we haven't even mentioned James Blackman's name yet or the fact that 
you know, you're talking about a guy who's the MVP here who started 12 games as a true freshman and looked pretty good and pretty comfortable today. I know the competition level difference, but you got him coming back. Well, let you me, think let you me, got Francois coming back? Let I mean, me interrupt you there. I mean, th- this was the 25th best defense in the country in Southern Miss. You know, so for all those that, that want to castigate Charles Kelly and all those that want to throw stones at the Florida State defense and where they rank statistically or don't rank statistically, this was the 25th best defense in the country statistically. And Florida State hung 42 points on him. Blackman threw for four touchdowns. Now, you, you can compute that in the metrics however you want to. Uh, what I would simply tell you is that this is a Florida State offense that, that really matured. They ran 74 plays. They had a 460, 470 yards of offense. Uh, they did not turn the ball over. They committed no mistakes. They had a couple of penalties um, on the offensive side. The bigger issue was the penalties on the defensive side, particularly the first drive, which actually resulted in Southern Miss first six, six points and, and them taking the lead. So, when, when you want to argue statistics and numbers, you can't discount the fact that this was the 25th best defense in the country. If you're going to, if that's, if that's what you're going to track on, right, then you just put 42 points on the 25th best defense in the country. Yeah, it was a good, I mean, outside of a couple of special teams blunders, a missed PAT, the, the roughing the punter, which that was only the, that was bad on the front end, but the, DJ bad, Matthews, the bad snap on the PAT. Yeah, yeah, the PATs. But DJ Matthews running around in the end zone on a punt. We what was to, that? I don't know. We don't need to see that again. No. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, you really can't nitpick a lot. But uh, go, going back, and we'll talk more about Blackman and the quarterback situation. Auden Tate with five catches, eighty-four yards, three touchdowns today. Talked about him in the in the first portion of our show. I'll let you weigh in after we listen to his post-game comments in terms of what he should, uh, what the correct decision is for him and his future. But here's my conversation with Auden Tate uh, just a little while ago from Shreveport. Congratulations on the uh, effort today, Auden. It seemed like, uh, you know, sometimes when you play in a bowl game, team six and six, you might not be all that motivated. This team seemed motivated and focused. Just walk us through how prepared you felt like the team was coming into this. Well, we just very prepared, you know, with all the stuff that's been going on all year. We just, you know, just came closer as a family and, you know, we just started playing for each other rather than other reasons. And, you know, that just, that just made us play harder today. How difficult was the last, uh, well, really the whole season when you consider where the expectations were at the start to where you wound up? It was very tough. You know, at any time, you know, with the situation, we could have folded. But, you know, guys were mature enough, you know, to compartmentalize and, you know, just understand the task at hand and finish strong like we just did. What about the growth and development of James Blackman this year? Four touchdown passes today, gets uh, MVP honors, offensive MVP. But, I mean, that was a true freshman that was thrown in into an awfully tough spot this season. That man's just been, you know, growing all year, man. You know, I can't, I can't say enough about it, man. I love him, you know. He's just been growing, 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 the future real bright. You know. For you personally, uh, you had a lot of success this season, but you also had some injuries. I know you probably felt like uh, you didn't get many as, as many bats as you wish you would have, but uh, kind of assess the way this season unfolded for you. You know, you know, just got to play the cards you dealt, you know, you know, the situation that go on, you know, and just do what you got to do. So, you know, that's kind of the way I looked at it. Three touchdowns today. I think you finished with ten. You got another opportunity, I suppose. I mean, are you going to come back for your next year? Um, I'm going to sit down with my family, you know, determine that. All right, best of luck to you. Appreciate it. It's Auden Tate. And Auden Tate obviously deferring what's a big decision uh, that he'll make in the next couple of weeks. I don't have the deadline in front of me. Typically it's like January 10th or 15th that uh, underclassmen have to declare. Um, I, I think it would be wise for all the guys to figure out who's their, who are their coaches going to be, 
get a chance to, to try and know Willie Taggart as best you can. Uh, and then at the end of the day, I don't really fault guys if they project high enough to to go ahead and take the money over risk and injury and what, what could happen uh, when you come in. There, there, there's definitely pros and cons, and we keep using uh, DeMarcus as an example of a guy who improved his stock coming back. You know, I think some of the parameters, if Alden came to me, Tommy, and said, what are the, th- the three or four things I need to look at? Number one, uh, is my projection for me to be in the first round or below? Because there's a huge difference between that five-year contract and that four-year contract, uh, particularly for the top 10 or 15 picks. So I, I would sit down and I'd analyze from just a financial standpoint what that means. If, if my projection comes back that I'm a, a late second round or third or higher, then I personally would say it's better to come back and play another year of college ball. Number two, make sure I get my insurance in place. The NCAA has changed how the mechanism works for the career-ending uh, injuries, as well as when you drop and draft stock because of injury during your senior year. Number three, then I would look at who my segment coach is going to be and whether I felt like I could be productive under him. And fourthly, lastly, whether I needed to come back to Florida State because I needed to grow up as a man, moving, moving, continuing moving from a young man to a, to a grown man relative to my mental capacity and the things that I'm doing. In other words, I, I would be honest with myself as to whether I thought I was mature enough to be a pro because anyone will tell you, once you make that decision, that's a altering decision. You don't get to go back, and you're you know the, it's the age old thing about participating and being committed. Uh, as all of our listeners know, the, the the chicken participates in breakfast, but the pig is committed. Once you make that <laughs> once you make that decision, you got to be all in. But I would go through that four step process uh, as objectively as I could, and I would not I would not make the decision just based on emotion. Or whether you know I'm going to get a hundred thousand dollar bonus versus a one point two million dollar bonus because I never had a hundred thousand dollars in cash at my hand in my life at twenty two years of age. I don't know what the difference is. Well, I, clearly a big decision. You're right. You got to remove emotion from it and sit down with those you trust and and get advice. And as I'm trying to catch up on social media, I'm seeing that. Uh, uh, this is from Knowles two forty seven. Uh, Demarcus Christmas is undecided about his pro future. Auden Tate declines to comment, which is what he did to me. Jacques Patrick uh, says he'll announce his decision through FSU. Again, that's Knowles 24-7. Um, so we'll see. The fact that he's going to announce something through FSU, I don't know if he's announcing he's coming back or staying. But the bottom line, there, there's a handful of guys out there. And I think, so you have the, the individual decision, and this will all weigh into it. You also have the, uh, you know, there was an awful lot of uh, roller coaster and emotions, and do I want to re-engage with Coach Taggart, even though he's very likable in his new staff, or do I just want to turn the page and move on? I.e., if you think about yourself in the professional environment, you just got a new boss. You may like him, but do you want to sign up for the same thing that maybe be, had become a grind, or do you want to try something new? All of those are considerations, and, and not any one of them, in my opinion, uh, is the deciding factor. You've got to put them all together, and obviously you want to talk to as many people as you can. I think the one downside that any of these kids uh, are, that are you know, contemplating churning pro e- uh, early doesn't have is they really don't have, uh, in my opinion, a head coach that they can talk to because I don't think uh, many of them would trust any of the, of the advice given by Jimbo because 
because of what has happened over the last two or three weeks. And secondly, they don't know Willie. So I'm not sure they're going to have the benefit of what a lot of kids for many years had with Coach Bowden and Coach Andrews, uh, where particularly on the defensive side of Florida State, they could sit down and talk to those coaches. Those coaches could make some calls and had some opinions that would be very helpful to them as well. Uh, unfortunately, because of the lay of the land, these kids are not going to have that opportunity, but plenty of other resources they can bring to bear as they make the decision. Yeah, so we'll, we'll know more about that in coming days. We'll know more about the coaching staff in coming days. What do you make of the Dion uh, situation? You know, it, it's hard for me. And first of all, we had Stan Wilcox on the network broadcast uh, earlier today, as we always do. We didn't discuss Dion, but he, he, I asked him about the time frame on the assistant coach hires. Uh, and you know, and he's he basically pointed out something that really hasn't been talked about a lot, and that's that the university is closed, and there is a human resources process you have to go through. I.e., it's a state job; you've got to advertise things, you got to make sure that you're dotting I's and crossing T's. Uh, and so that, uh, you know, the way he answered that made me think that uh, it will be after the university reopens next week before we get even even if. <laughs> Uh, there is some progress. I don't know that all of it will be done until then. Well, there's also some contractual issues because some uh, folks... Some have to finish their bowl they games. They have to finish their bowl games. So as the bowl games do complete, you could very easily have some announcements coming out, uh, we'll say quicker as opposed to, to later. Uh, all that's got to be ferreted through. Uh, and, and all that's a, you know, a little bit of a fluid moving target. Uh, I think it's fair to say, although I've not asked him specifically, but uh, Coach Taggart, I think in his own mind, uh, had serious considerations about bringing Coach Cristobal and Coach Levitt back to Florida with him, uh, and neither one of those worked out because Oregon make them, made them offers that you could not, uh, you know, you could not refuse, in my opinion, on their end. So who do you move to next? And, and certainly it's probably going to be somebody that has a, a coordinator position or a position with the university that didn't go 1-12 or 1-11 last year, rather. Uh, so they're participating in bowl games. There's just a lot of pieces that have to get put together. I, I am, and, and I'm sure most of our listeners are aware, but uh, you and I were traveling yesterday when I got the news that uh, a deal had been reached with Coach Hagens, Odell Hagens, to be, for him to be retained on Coach Taggart's staff. I, that, was, that was kind of a foregone conclusion. But you don't really know till you know it's actually put in place and announced. Uh, so there'll be some interesting things that get revealed over the next and few coming days. And again, back to what we started this conversation. Yeah, with. I didn't really answer that. So let me jump you know, into that. We need to you know be fair about letting that process uh, weigh out uh, and, and work its way through the pipeline. As to as to Dion, you know, there's a lot of excitement on social media about could Dion join the staff, and and so and those of you that don't follow recruiting, uh, Dion's son, I don't even know what year he is. He's maybe two years two years out, so class of twenty maybe, class of nineteen or twenty. He's been offered scholarship from Willie Ta- by Willie Taggart, uh, and apparently, and I, I haven't uncovered the origin of their relationship, but Dion and Willie are, are friends and have known each other. Obviously, Dion's from Fort Myers. Willie's from Bradenton. Dion, Dion was here today. Dion was here today uh, with Dedrick Dodge down on the sideline for the first half, and then I think he came up and uh, was maybe in the AD's box in the second half. I'm not sure. Uh, but directly to your question, I, I don't know if that's what Florida State needs, but I will say this. If you ask Mickey Andrews who the hardest-working player is that he ever had, he would tell you Dion Sanders. So if you're going to get that Dion Sanders that's willing to work like that as a coach, then he's got a lot that he could teach. But if you're going to go into some kind of arrangement where it's like, well, you can coach here, but then you can be off doing the primetime thing on week, it doesn't work like that. So I don't think you can't, 
you can't be halfway pregnant, and if that's what the arrangement would be with Dion, I'm not on board with it. I'm not either, and, and, I, and I will go on record as saying I'm not on board with Dion coming back as a full-time assistant coach for this very simple reason. It requires so much work. I know I wouldn't do it, and I know Dion would outwork me, but I don't think he wants to do it, and if he'd be fair with himself. However, and what one thing I would say, and then you jump in, the mere fact that Taggart has reached out to Dion, and we've heard more from Dion in the last week than we've heard from Dion in the last 10 years in terms of support for Florida State University. And he just drove over from Dallas and stood on the sideline in 42-degree weather watching FSU play today. I mean, that in and of itself speaks to the relationship they have and the draw that Taggart has because, and this is not, I'm not being um, detrimental or negative about Dion. he's had an unbelievable career after football in the things that he does. He's busy. He ain't, he ain't lazy. He ain't fishing every day. He works his tail off regardless of what he's doing. But we may be better served with him remaining in that spotlight and directing some 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 relays yeah. back to us than for him to come and actually spend time as a full-time assistant coach, which is an absolutely it's a wonderful job. Uh, I had one of the assistant coaches tell me this last night that is not being retained by Florida State. I said, I, I'm sorry. I hate to see you leave. This is horrible. Uh, this, this profession sometimes gets to you. He says, it's a great profession. It's the business that's a negative because the business of college football is just that. It's a business. The profession is great. The business is not. And I'm just not sure if Dion fully appreciates it. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic that he could be, quote, unquote, back in the fold. Uh, but I'm not sure he understands even what it would mean to be on the field coach. And the last point I was going to make is, you know, if, you, if you're talking about a high school coach getting elevated or somebody that's in another line of work or somebody that's a position coach having a chance to be a coordinator, you're looking at some serious money if you're talking four, five hundred, six hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars. If you're Deion Sanders on national TV every week, you're talking about a pay cut to go work harder, truthfully. And that's not to sell Deion short because one, one of the things, and we can get off the Deion topic. I do think it's a misconception because he created the prime time, everything's fun image, that he didn't work behind oh, the scenes. You talked to anybody that was he, his teammate. He worked. He, he t- worked. And so if he was going to make that decision, it would have to be, as I said at the start of this conversation, that he's going to work. And we'll just see where that falls when we continue here on Front Row Knowles from the Independence Bowl and Independence Stadium. Stay with us. So I don't know if it'll be Dion. Uh, and a lot of these guys, we don't know who the rest of the assistants will be. There's been a lot of rumors that the offensive line coach is going to be Greg Fry, who's a former FSU lineman from the 93 team. That's the run game coordinator for Harbaugh at Michigan. Uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. A lot of talk that Ron Dugans is going to be the receiver coach. Obviously, he's at Miami, was at USF with Taggart, played at FSU. From Tallahassee, seems like that would make sense on a lot of fronts. And then, then beyond that, we don't, we don't really know a ton. And it feels like we're waiting forever, Keith, but the reality is we'll, we'll know in a couple of weeks. Well, and I think too, don't be, um, surprised if you're surprised. Uh, cause, you know, every head coach keeps a list 
keeps a list of replacements for coordinators and, and replacements for position coaches. And uh, they never share that list. You'll never see it published. Uh, Coach Fisher had one. I guarantee you Coach Taggart has one. And uh, how far down that list you have to go, sometimes maybe that's a negative, but at other times maybe it's because you've ranked it based on particular strengths and you get into a situation where someone uh, you can you can have someone that's that's better working with this type of player and a little less in the recruiting side, or maybe you need someone that's super strong on the recruiting side and a little less uh, polished on field. Maybe you see one that's a game coach that helps with the play calling. Uh, maybe you've got another one that's a, that's great with uh, putting game plans together, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and and how you piece and put that. Uh, program together, you, those coaches together, uh, you know, becomes part of the matrix. And uh, we studied permutations and combinations in high school, and, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do a lot of different things. <coughs> Pardon me, but I do one thing that Coach Taggart has made very clear is he wants coaches that know how to mentor, coaches that know how to mentor young men. And I think that will be the number one qualifying factor that he'll use uh, in evaluating prospects and bringing coaches in for his squad. Let's go back to uh, the players. And Derek Noddy is a guy who had a fantastic Florida State career. He's a, for as big as he is, he is a soft-spoken, low-profile guy. But he, and if you, he's just a physical specimen when you look at him. I mean, it's it's like moving a, a live oak tree trunk trying to move him off the line of scrimmage. And, and I thought, from a consistency standpoint, now folks that don't understand coach kelly's defense would look at naughty and say you know he didn't have very many tackles didn't have a bunch of tackles for loss and he had very few sacks but tommy that's not what he's asked to do what naughty is asked to do is to be a run stopper from the standpoint of not allowing guards or even the center when he's in the a or b gap allowing that center to get to the linebackers so he takes up space he takes up space, and occasionally he'll make some big plays. And he, in my opinion, in my opinion, was the most consistent defensive player that Florida State had this year in terms of Alabama game to the bowl game consistent throughout. He was as, as stable and responsible and as good as anybody on Kelly's side of the ball, and, and I think he has got an opportunity to have an unbelievably uh, productive uh, professional career. Yeah, I think he could be a long-time NFL guy. I had a chance to talk with Derek after the game, not so much about the specifics of this game, but more about everything the team's gone through and, and sort of what the future looks like. So here's that conversation with Derek Noddy from the locker room just after today's win. Derek, congratulations on the win. I know this isn't where you wanted to finish the season, but for this team to respond the way it did amidst everything you had to deal with the last month or so, uh, kind of what's your emotions right now? Uh, right now it's more of a kind of mixture of happiness because, you know, we came up with a victory. Uh, happiness for, you know, the up-and-comings to keep the tradition going. Uh, a little bit of... Um, of uneasiness because you know this is the last time we'll be playing with them so i already know i'm gonna miss them so it's just like a lot of mixed emotions right now for you personally your segment coach was elevated to interim head coach how much pride do you have knowing that uh, you guys helped carry the water to get him 2-0 and as an interim head coach and that coach taggart's going to keep him on staff you see can you repeat that again please i'm sorry just just being able to win these last two games for odell and also that coach taggart is going to keep him on staff i realize you're gone next year but to have odell still be part of the program mm-hmm. Uh, with them, you know, assisting us throughout what we're going through, having Odell coming back to keep the tradition going, how he wants things, like just want kids 
to just be doing the right things on and off the field and having Coach Taggart doing the same thing, I feel like it will be, it's honestly going to be great for the organization. And I feel like it's going um, to push Florida State back to where it used to be in its golden years. What advice would you give to the players who are returning on the team in terms of what it will take to get this program back to the FSU standard? Honestly, just buy in. Even if you got to do the little things, it's all about the little things. Listen to coaching. Even though it may seem like the coaches have something against you, at the end of the day they're doing it because they love you and they want you to succeed. So you keep pushing on no matter what goes on, no matter highs and lows, you keep going forward with everything you're doing. You, I, I promise you they're going to succeed. Just keep, keep pushing and keep pushing keep working. And what are you going to remember about your time at FSU? Honestly, there's a lot of times. A lot of times, there's more moments I've had with my teammates off the field as well as times on the field. The most thing I always remember is the times I had with my teammates off the field. All the, all the moments, all the times we had to go through obstacles, either in a game, practice, or just off the field, just hanging out with each other. That's the main thing I always remember, the memories of my teammates. It's been fun watching you play. Best of luck at the next level. Thank you, sir. That's Derek Noddy. And you can hear from that, uh, you know, just his responses. He's a, he's a quality guy. I wish him well. I always uh, – I remember last year doing it with uh, Dalvin Cook, too, at the end. Uh, I thank Dalvin, uh, either on the air or off, for always speaking to me in the media, regardless of whether it was in a good situation or a bad. Uh, not all the guys do that. Derek Noddy's one of them that would come see you, whether it was an agonizing loss, an embarrassing loss, or a great win, and that's to his credit. With all the, the riches, the money that's involved at the NFL – uh, those that have played at the next level, not not me, but those that have played at next level will tell you one of the biggest differences is the camaraderie uh, in the locker room. Uh, you recognize when you get to where you're playing on Sundays that it is a true business. Uh, when you come into a university like Florida State at 17, 18, 19 years of age, and you spend three or four years basically growing up from a boy to a man, and you've got some guy that's had the locker to the left and the locker to the right. You've got another guy that you've always gone through position drills with. You've got another guy that you've always blocked in spring practice. You've got another guy that you always lifted with on Thursday mornings. You develop relationships, Tommy, and you've seen them. They're lifelong. I've got guys that I played with, and we're 40 years removed from that. Uh, but I got up early on Christmas morning and uh, texted them. Yeah. That's what you do. Keith Jones, uh, sentimental side coming out here. This is supposed to be a feel-good edition of this uh, Front Row Knowles, KJ. All right, I'll get it together. All right. Uh, and I'll give you some time to do so. Uh, Florida State wins this game uh, and wins it uh, handily, decisively. Uh, again, not a lot of X's and O's to break down. Some of the guys uh, that uh, – we can talk. Well, I'll hold that thought for a minute. I do want to point out that that we're unable, and I apologize for uh, uh, technical reasons that are above my pay grade, and I can't explain. We can't get uh, Tim Linnefelt dialed in, but he did. did however, did we get him a new satellite phone? I, the world? I, you know, we've been working on that. Hopefully, 2018 <laughs> will bring him a new cell carrier or something. Uh, he did want us to let you know that uh, recap and highlights uh, of today's game are up on Seminoles.com. Also, if you missed some of the uh, the feel-good Christmas stories that were posted, a really good story, particularly about Logan Tyler, that's up on Seminoles.com. Uh, as well right now, so I encourage you to, to go there and check that out. Um, what I was going to say is, you know, one unsung guy that whose name we have not mentioned yet is Stanford Samuels the third. I thought he played an unbelievable he football game. Tommy, he could have very easily been the most de- valuable defensive player. Yeah. I think Nate Andrews ultimately ended up with that award as voted on by the media. But this is a guy 
And, and I didn't know that till this year. But, you know, his dad obviously played. He's a legacy player. His dad played. His dad played with, with William Floyd. And uh, I believe he was uh, called Bootsy. Bootsy was his nickname. Bootsy, Bootsy. Bootsy, yeah. Yeah, no, he didn't overlap with William Floyd. He was he was in the early 2000s probably. Was he? Yeah. But the point being, uh, he's now got a nickname yeah. and, and making a name for himself as a player. Uh, he had an outstanding ball game. Oh, he yeah, he really played well, and I think you know we'll see what what ends up happening with Tavares McFadden. But but if you look at it, you've still uh, you know you're going to be replacing Derwin James, but you've got two safeties uh, in Fagan uh, and Nasraldine that uh, they're very high on. Uh, you're going to return Kyle Myers. You're going to return uh, Levante Taylor. Yep. You're going to return Stanford Samuels. Well, and you've and signed, then you got you've Carlos signed. Becker played well today. You've well, signed. You've signed some five, very a five star kid out of California. Yeah, you've got just, some, a couple four star corners. Next man up. I get it. It'll be important to see how Willie Taggart finishes this signing class, the first Wednesday of February. Uh, he said, I think last week that he expects to get to fourteen, around sixteen. He might have gone as high as eighteen, but in the in the neighborhood of sixteen signees total, which would be nine more than what they have now. But he wants quality over quantity. And and why is that at sixteen or eighteen? I think our listeners need to understand that when well, when other kids are when other schools are signing twenty five. Well, in his case, it's from getting on board a little bit late and not wanting to take quantity. He's not going to go sign kids just to sign them. He's going to sign kids that can play at FSU. So there's there's a, there's a formula in his mind, maybe not on paper, about maybe holding some scholarships, right? So that they become available a little farther on down the road when other things uncover. Is that is that an accurate statement? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. And you also have to see how much attrition you have. Obviously, if every name we've mentioned that's contemplating going pro turns pro. Well, you're going to have to sign some more kids just because you need some depth on your roster. But assuming you get, you know, half those guys back, uh, which you typically do, if they're, in any given year, if there's six guys contemplating, I feel like three of them go and three of them come back. So we'll see how the, the cards fall. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is that the cupboard is not bare regardless of those decisions because Florida State has recruited well year upon year upon year upon year. So even if this class, which is currently ranked 40-something, winds up being 20, or 15, which is much lower than FSU standards, it will complement the talent on the roster fine and dandy. And, and you've made that point from the get-go. I mean, you were one of the first that was singing the song that, uh, you know, while other schools might be signing 20 of their 23 commitments, uh, that's not in this particular year a formula that FSU has to feel like it has to adhere to. And, and, and candidly, uh, Florida State could survive a non-top-10 recruiting class once every so often uh, in in order to maintain its stability and not just bring in numbers. You, you've been singing that song since the, the get-go. Well, and I've never been a huge uh, recruiting guy in terms of I'm not watching the high school clips and getting all, you know, if the coaches are telling me that they like who they've got coming in, I'm going to trust them, and Florida State typically ends up with a top five class or so. Uh, and, and, and to your point, and Willie Taggart has said this, He's more interested in whether the guy's a football player than a five-star, and we'll see how that pans out. Uh, you know, but but I would agree with that sentiment. You certainly uh, well, you've I, expressed I, it. I yeah. set you up <laughs> to set you up to say it doesn't bother me if Florida State had a top five class and then a top twenty class and then a top forty class. 
and then a top five class and a top 20 class and a top 40 class. Because embedded in that 20 class and that 40 class are, are my favorite terms now, the mules, which are kids that, that are late bloomers, that are that know how to play football but don't know how to play it completely and are willing to learn how to play football because they don't have all of the magnificent talent that allowed them to go through their high school careers without ever learning any of the strategies involved in this game that we play. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We uh, have a little bit longer to go on this special edition of Front Row Knowles. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if what's going to happen first. We're going to finish this show or they're going to turn out the lights here at Independence Stadium because it's literally Keith and I and the two uh, groundskeepers. Yeah, and that's about it left here at the stadium <laughs> after this one. We'll come back and wrap up uh, shortly right after this. Stay with us. Back on Front Row Knowles, uh, special thanks to Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for being a uh, longtime supporter of this program. We uh, always encourage you to uh, go by, tell Ron and his knowledgeable staff that uh, we said hello. And they got a couple of locations uh, in town. That's Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Keith, the, uh, I, I'm not sure where you'd go in terms of the cornerstone uh, of this game for Florida State because just about all phases played well. And, and we were talking during the break uh, you know, I don't know what the right word is. Boring uh, overstates it, but it was nonchalant. Nonchalant, it seem like there was no effort, and there was a bunch of effort. Business-like. Uh, I mean, makes whole it seem like you took the enthusiasm out there, of it. There was no doubt about who was going to win this game uh, after Florida State's second drive of the game, or after each team had the ball twice. And Southern Miss scored on its first drive, but it was pretty apparent early in the second quarter this was FSU's game. It really was, and, and that harkens back to you know how we felt during games during the dynasty, uh, how we felt during, uh, you know, after maybe uh, the first quarter of most of the games of 2013. Uh, you know, I mean, you look back at times when Florida State was playing great football, and, and it got a little fill-in-the-blank negative of whatever those terms are uh, in terms of watching it. And uh, it felt like that Florida State had almost gotten back to, to that level. Now, let's be fair. We got to that level. It means we finished the year seven and six, and we played in the in the uh, uh, Independence Bowl in in Shreveport. So I don't mean to overstate that, uh, but uh, at least from a foundational standpoint, it appeared that some of the building blocks, some of the foundation, obviously is still in place, and, and the kids really did a good job of building upon it. Yeah, they really did. There, there, were, there was a lot to be pleased with today. The uh, the off season conversation. So we're going to go from now till February, and it'll be about uh, well, the, the next two weeks will be about the coaching staff, coaching staff, and then the month after that will be all about signing day, and then we'll get into to spring practice. And there's not an official date for the spring game yet, although I think it's going to be April 14th. Uh, and there'll be quarterback questions because we always talk about the quarterback, and I don't know that DeAndre Francois is going to be healthy enough to participate then. And and uh, but the bottom line I'm making, I'm not 100 percent sure he's coming back, um, though I would assume that he is, but I don't know that. But the point being, you've got your starters from the last two years coming back. One was the ACC Offensive Rookie of the Year, or maybe the Rookie of the Year in the conference two years ago. One was just named MVP here today, and I know that James was up and down this year, but considering what he was thrown into, and he looked much better having a couple of weeks to prepare for a team. His his performance today, I mean, if you go back and look, 
there were what four drops or, or balls that we would call four drops. Uh, he was on target on just about anything. Had a big, big game with uh, Izzo. Izzo had six catches in the ball game, two or three of those for key uh, first downs on third down. Um, there were a couple of passes that Blackman threw that uh, you know would be uh, things you'd want another year or two of experience where he tried to throw it hard in there and he needed to teardrop it or when he was right. re- releasing it a little late and catches were made out of bounds. But, my goodness, you, you summed it up. He started 12 games. Uh, and this particular one, he looked as good as anybody we've seen in a long time at Florida State QB. We will step aside one last time, then come back and put the wraps on the Walk-On's Independence Bowl edition of Front Row Knowles. We'll do that after we do this. Okay, just a minute or so to wrap things up. Tom and Keith with you from uh, Shreveport. Uh, hope you enjoyed today, folks. Uh, again, 7-6 and six wasn't what anybody wanted to be, but uh, given the circumstances of the last month, looked like FSU might not even make a bowl, and here they are, 36 straight uh, bowls. Uh, I think 28 bowl wins all time now, 41 consecutive winning seasons. Uh, a new regime about to start with Willie Taggart. So there is, once again, a lot of optimism and excitement about Florida State football. And this will add to it, uh, thanks to Tom Lang, who's uh, working over the holidays here to uh, be on the other side, uh, running the board here for us as, as we do this show. He points out that DeMarcus Christmas, via his Twitter feed, has announced that he will return to FSU. And so I'd call that a recruiting win for Willie Taggart. That's an, that's an early 2018 Christmas present, if you want to call that, it that. That is a Christmas present, because that means when you look at the uh, – the front line for FSU, uh, only Josh Sweat is gone and everybody else returns out of who's been your your front four too deep, really. Yeah. Uh, it remains to be seen what, what style uh, and alignment Willie Taggart will go with. But we've got plenty of time to discuss that. Keith, next time we get together, it will be before FSU plays Carolina in basketball uh, a week from tonight back in the Tucker Center, if you can believe that. Well, and, and uh, as you mentioned, uh, Gene and I traveling tomorrow from uh, Shreveport to Durham. Uh, the ACC scheduler, or whoever he, she, or them are, uh, not necessarily kind of Florida State. They'll open at Duke in Cameron and then return to the Tucker Center Wednesday night to play defending national champion uh, North Carolina. However, I would remind us as we transition that there was a time period last year for about two and a half weeks when Florida State basketball played six consecutive games against ranked opponents and uh, came out the other end five and six. Not here to predict that that's going to happen when you add uh, Miami, Syracuse, and and Louisville, the first five ACC games for Florida State. Not here to tell you Florida State's going to win four of those five, but it's simply here to tell you that uh, the AC schedule has begun and basketball is uh, on the horizon. And I guess, Tommy, I apologize to you for tearing up uh, a couple of segments ago because it just dawned on me that that I'm I'm only going to be working with you once a week moving forward instead of twice a week. Now I know why the tears were flowing. And I was just heartbroken over that that prospect. Exactly. Well, football season will be here before you know it. (laughs) You know, nine months from now we'll be back at it. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year's to, uh, to you and yours, and we'll talk to you again next week on Front Row Knowles. 